Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I am here this morning with Rob Iman. And we are here on an unusual day because I was out yesterday. And so we didn't want to miss the sermon discussion completely. So here we are Thursday at 11 a.m., um, a little bit after 11, to talk about Sunday sermon. There we go. Did you enjoy the Yo-Yo Ma concert? I did. <laughs> That's why you were gone yesterday. <laughs> That's why I was gone yesterday. Yes, I was in Bloomington. Tuesday night for the Yo-Yo Ma and Catherine Stott concert, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. So, <laughs> we could talk about that, I'm sure, but that's not what you I'm sure, about. but we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> we're here to talk about the sermon from Sunday, the certainty of doubt from John yes. chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. And, I, you know, you spent a good part of the first part of the sermon establishing the fact that we all have doubts and i thought that was very helpful yeah well because we 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 don't want to talk about doubts because we think well i'm I'm the only one with them but man we all have them i mean Mm -hmm. so let's level the playing field and let's just let's just lay it out there yeah and i think it's helpful to understand that we are not alone yeah yeah and it's not just thomas who was doubting I mean, all the disciples, I mean, it's huge. What, rise from the dead? I mean, I know Jesus told them that, but but there are other places where uh, uh, where the addition would be, they were talking amongst themselves as to what Jesus might've meant by saying rising from the dead. I mean, they were thinking he was speaking metaphorically. They weren't sure what he was saying. So, I mean, every one of them doubted at some level. And uh, even uh, at the great, uh, the great commission, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> with the Great Commission, people were doubting. I mean, it, so it, it's like it's part of the warp and woof of faith. And to say that if we're going to have faith, that there's going to be, certainly there's going to be some doubt going on because that's the nature of faith. You don't have all the certainty. So the question is, well, gee, do, is this actually, do I have it? You know, so it's always going to be there at some, some level. Right. And I liked that you said, um, I'm, let me see. <laughs> I can't remember exactly where you said it, so I can't find it in my notes, but um, the fact that we have to have belief in order to have doubt, like we can't doubt something we don't believe already. Like just that logical conclusion was so helpful for me. (laughs) Yeah, doubt takes priority. I mean, sorry, faith takes priority over doubt. So you want to build off the faith and let the doubt help you build off the faith by taking time to look at it, consider it, what's the source, uh, not to be afraid of it, not try to hide it because, I mean, there's no shame in having doubt. It's the point, you know, it's like the man at the base of the Mount of Transfiguration who had the son who was horribly uh, pummeled by a demon for years and years and years. And the man is just worn out. He's tired. He's you know, he's how many times has he pulled his son from the fire or from the water? How many times has he mm-hmm. done these different things? How many times has he seen his son get locked into a seizure? And so he says, boy, if, if you can help, if you can help. And Jesus says, what do you mean if I can help? 
you know, and, and we live our doubts in the middle of that if, right? I mean, that's, mm. that's, you know, that if is something God expects us to have. And he wants to grow us beyond the if so that once we get to a level where we say, I have faith in this one thing, something else is going to come along that says, yeah, but what about this one? Mm. And that's part of the growth curve for us. That's part of what we're trying to do is to grow to the point where we are believing every word that comes out of the mouth of God saying, yeah, I do believe it. Not going to happen in this broken, fallen world with our broken, fallen bodies and our minds. But the fact is that we're on a path to grow to that place of certainty. And then one day we will see him as he is. And when we see him as he is, we're going to be like him. And uh, there won't be a need for faith at that point because our, our faith will be our eyes as the song goes. Right. Yes. And I, I, one of the things you said that I highlighted was we get to choose which conviction Mm. we get to choose the conviction to which we commit. Yes. We do not get to choose our level of certainty. Mm -hmm. I also found that really helpful. Like, Oh, okay. Like I can choose my conviction. I could choose to commit to the, to believing that Jesus has bodily risen from the dead, Mm -hmm. but I can't always choose how certain I am of that conviction. But we need to choose. We, we need to come to a landing point. And, we, you know, we, we do live in an age where doubt is favored over certainty of faith. Where, well, I've been thinking about this. Yeah, I've been several decades now thinking about this. And that's, you know, and it's like, well, when are you going to land on something? Because you're going to have to land on something. I mean, let's just, take, let's just take what happens after we die. At some point, every one of us is going to have to land on a conclusion, a conviction of what takes place because we're going to go through it because mom's going to die. Dad's going to die. Others are going to die around us. Mm. And the question is what just happened to them? Mm-hmm. So we've got to, we've got to come to, a, we can't just keep, keep playing this doubt thing. We've got to come to a place where we say, okay, I've got uncertainty, but I'm going to embrace this, this particular conviction because of these three things. You know, God said it or uh, Jesus rose from the dead. And I can't deny that. Or you know, there's some reason that then says, okay, I've got enough uh, to make the leap, uh, the leap of faith, which allows me to step into a new way of living. And once I, once I commit to that, then the next thing is coming, which is going to help me grow. Right. That, and that our doubts aren't, uh, they're not a, um, oh gosh, now I'm trying to find the word. Not like a, it doesn't mean that we're just believing. Is that what I'm trying to say? Like, it doesn't mean that we're losing our faith. If we're oh. doubting, that doesn't mean we're losing our faith. It means that we're strengthening our faith. Mm-hmm. If we allow, if we pull out that doubt and say, okay, I am doubting this. Am I going to examine this, sit with this for a little while, ask God about it, talk to friends, wise, wise friends, mm-hmm. um, you know, read the Bible, all of those things that you mentioned that are in my notes here somewhere. Um, <laughs> Of how to manage, how to deal with these doubts. But if we're dealing with our doubts properly, then it's strengthening our faith in the end. Yes, I fully agree with that. And I think that, you know, that's where I've seen people with doubts take their doubts to others who, who, uh, who are not. So the very first, the very first thing is, do I believe the scriptures to be true? Do I believe them to be authoritative when it comes to matters of faith, life, and practice? Mm-hmm. Um, because that really is the one of the first steps that we need to take 
that God has revealed what we need to know about stuff that we can't see and understand through his holy word. Uh, and then most clearly, God has revealed who he is and what we need to know uh, through Jesus Christ. So yeah. when I start with that foundation, I always come back to that to give me the information that I need. Because if I don't have that, my doubts can take me all over the place. You know, I'll start thinking about this. What about the Bhagavad Gita? What does the Quran say? What is this? What is this? You know, or what about the latest uh, social media thing that's coming out? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, this person really has a lot of hits on his website or, or, uh, or her blog post. So maybe she's got something to say on this. And, uh, but we, we come to that first conviction, one of the first convictions about uh, the word of God as being God's revealed or his revelation of himself, who he is, who we are, and how the world is ordered. Uh, then we have the, the foundation on which to build through our doubt. Without that, though, man, doubt reigns. Doubt becomes the master and not the servant it's supposed to be. Right. And let's see. Oh, I don't have your transcript available already. <laughs> right here in front of me to read that quote from, um, from the, the theologian who said, choosing mm -hmm. to live by doubt is like choosing immobility as a form of transport or something. Yeah, like that's, that. it, that's it. Yeah, you got it. It's Le Leslie Newbegin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> choosing, to, choosing to live, choosing doubt as your life philosophy is like choosing uh, immobility as your form of transportation. Uh, <laughs> it like, oh, doesn't okay. make sense. <laughs> And you're not going to go anywhere. And you're not going to go you know? anywhere. Yeah, but I'm, yeah. I'm happy in my parked car because I, I, I haven't come to any conclusions about this stuff. You know? Yeah. But at some point, in some areas, you got to make that conclusion. Yeah. Well, and as I was thinking about your transcript, I just want to point out kind of as an aside, yeah. for those who may not know or um, who would like to revisit the sermon in a way, you know, we have it on our podcast, obviously the sermon. Um, is released on Tuesday mornings, generally speaking, as a podcast, but also the transcripts I tried to make available as soon as possible on our blog. Um, every sermon series has kind of an introductory blog post, which outlines the sermon series, and then I put a PDF of whatever Rob or Brintley or David give to me. Um, <laughs> so it could be a transcript, or it could be just notes. But nice that's disclaimer, Michelle. <laughs> It's available as a um, on our on our blog post, um, so you can look for that there. Um, I'm just looking at my notes. Oh, one of the things that I thought was so good was that Thomas. You said Thomas provides a pathway mm. for us to follow when dealing with our doubts. Yes, but we have to hold the timeline loosely. Yes, yeah, yeah. So many of us want our doubts to be um, resolved, our questions to be answered very quickly. Uh, and Thomas had his resolved in one week. And as I said, I forget which service, but I, I was talking about how, um, you know, Jesus had 40 days to get his, his 11 disciples fully on board with this idea of his physical resurrection. So some of these, he did, Thomas wasn't going to need to wait very long on that. Um, but for some of us, I mean, decades, because it's not that long. Um, uh, Ten years is not that long. When you look in terms of, uh, of eternity, and, you know, if Jesus wants to grow faithfulness in us uh, more than give us certainty, I think there is, you know, faithfulness comes by us wrestling through it and holding fast. 
And perseverance is something that's throughout the scriptures to persevere in the faith, um, to hold on to the faith. And the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians uh, 4, where he talks about um, fixing our eyes, not on what is seen, but what's unseen, because what's seen is temporary, but what's unseen is eternal. Mm. Uh, so there's, there's a, you know, we, we live by faith. Um, it's faith that pleases God. I mean, there's an element of faith here that, that is so critically important because that is what helps us grow in faithfulness. That is what helps us grow in um, our understanding of who God is. That is what helps us please the Lord is when we act in faith. And alongside of that, doubt is just the other side of the coin. It is part of the, um, it, it is part of the catalyst, it's part of the fertilizer for faith that allows that faith to grow, nurture, and mature over time. And sometimes it takes a while before we get the answer that we want. Right. And, and it does help us, as we wrestle with it, it does help us to develop that perseverance muscle. Yeah. And that yeah. faithfulness muscle. So that we hold on and we hold right. fast. Even, even when it, uh, you know, I'll tell you, uh, I'm, I'm in my 60s now, young 60s, very young 60s. <laughs> 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 and I have stood by the bedside of many a person who's uh, transitioning into eternity. And uh, wow, that is a sacred moment when a person is grasping more fully the reality of what they've heard over their lives or in the last 15 minutes. One guy I remember years ago, I mean, this just, I don't want to get off track, but this is, this is, uh, this is that moment where, where the things that we've talked about, the things that we committed to early on really start getting traction. Mm. Uh, when we are on our deathbed, when our loved one is on, his, on their deathbed, when we are faced with a trial, okay, do I believe this now? And uh, boy, it's amazing what happens when early on you make that commitment to it and say, I don't have the level of certainty I need, but I can choose my conviction. And this is one I'm going to choose. God is good. We'll mm. From there, you know? Yes. And, and I think one of the things that was helpful for me to understand is that uh, you know, the first time that you resolve that doubt or the first time that you, um, that you experience that faithfulness, that's not going to be the last time either, because God <laughs> tends to like, he like, he's like, okay, let's just scrape the ground here on this doubt. And then um, maybe a few years later, maybe a few uh, weeks later, he says, okay, we're going to revisit this and we're going to go deeper. Yeah. And then we're going to go deeper and we're going to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And so every time I think, oh, I thought I've, I thought I dealt with this. God's like, mm, yeah, you did for the first three layers. Now we're dealing with layer four, five, and six or there you go. whatever it could be. Yeah. I love that picture because so many times people think, um, and I've fallen into this as well, that I think, oh my goodness, it's just a circle. I'm just here I am again, the same thing again. We think it's just a circle, but you turn that circle on its side and you see it's a helix. And you're going deeper and deeper and deeper. Go, oh, okay, same area, but different level now. Mm -hmm. different, different world in so many ways. Exactly. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you have any final thoughts for our <laughs> listener? Well, yeah, the, the, uh, I got to tell you, there's so much that goes on in sermon preparation that never makes it to uh, the Sunday morning. 
-hmm. And there was one little tidbit that I thought I'd want to share with everyone because I mean, it's, it, it, it resonates with me. It may not resonate with you know, 90% of the people who are listening in, but resonates with me because I am the kind of guy I want facts. I want certainty. I, I, uh, as one person said to me years ago, Rob, you, it's hard for you to make a decision because you always need more information. So there's always more information out there to get, you know, you're always trying to try to pull it together to say, well, there's this, but then there's this and there's this and then there's this. Well, one of the interesting things, you know, that, you know, Thomas also called Didymus, you know, Thomas in Hebrew and Aramaic means twin. Didymus in Greek means twin. So why did John, every time he brings up Thomas, say also called Didymus? Thomas called Didymus. Was it because he was a twin in our Western minds? We're thinking, well, it must be very important. He has this twin. Is it a fraternal twin? Is it an identical twin? You know, what kind of twin is it? Some people think, well, maybe he looked an awful lot like Jesus. And so they called him a twin because he looked like Jesus. He looked like one of the other disciples or something. But I'm wondering because... You know, the other disciples that got a nickname, they got a nickname because of something that was about their personality. You know, Simon was called Cephas, Peter, Barak. Uh, James and John were called the sons of thunder. You know, can we call down fire from heaven on the Lord? You know, let's just do this. I'm wondering, the, the word, the word Didymus doesn't just mean a physical twin. It can also mean um, one who doubts. It can also mean, uh, because you have two minds, you have a twin mind. You've got one mind thinking, this is what I'm thinking, but then there's this as well, and then there's this as well, and then there's this as well. And, and James might call it a double-minded person, you know, um, that is being tossed by the wind and waves of things, and, um, you know, just by whatever wave of mo the moment is saying, well, maybe that's really what it is. And I wonder, I wonder if Thomas was that kind of person, because I can slip into that so easily. Mm. Just not, well, I need more information on this. I need more information on this. And Jesus said to him, stop doubting and believe. And I, I, I hear in those words, you know, I always try to think about what is the, the tone? What is the attitude behind Jesus's words? You know, stop doubting and believe. No, I don't think so. Mm. He leaned in a little bit and said, oh, Thomas, stop doubting and believe. And I think that that's, for me, that's kind of a word that comes to me as one who's, who's uh, hard to find. Well, there's all kinds of more information that I need. I need to go deeper. I need to get more of this. So I wonder if Thomas was one who is kind of like my kind of personality that uh, is always researching something and having a hard time deciding hmm. and to step on it and say, make that level of commitment. So anyway, that's an interesting little sidelight that I didn't get a chance to share on Sunday that I thought I would just uh, close with here that we, we all doubt Plain, the, the playing field is level, and some people have a personality that just leads them to deeper doubt and more questions. And to us, Jesus very confidently and um, compassionately says, stop doubting and believe. Yes, and we can choose our conviction. Yeah. We don't get to choose our level of certainty. And the other thing is, is that Jesus, I love the fact that you brought up the, his tone because the other thing you brought out in the sermon is, was Jesus's eagerness mm -hmm. to, to lay out evidence for the disciples to believe. Yeah, he says, here, can I eat something in front of you? What can I do? Yes, he's Touch eager. Look at this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and so, and he was eager then, kind of because he's on a short timeline, but he's eager now. With, with our doubts, he's eager to help 
help us overcome those or to help us deepen our conviction, um, deepen our level of certainty. I love that. Wow, well said, Michelle. That's a great way to conclude, to conclude this. Well, then we will. <laughs> well, thank you all for joining us, yes. whether you joined us live or whether you joined us later on our blog or on our podcast. We are grateful you took a few minutes of your day to uh, listen in. And if you have questions or comments, please leave those on our blog. I read every one of those. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks for being here. Take care.